hello again, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of the Prep Extra Podcast brought to you by the Lincoln Journal Star. As always, Jeff Ekstrom alongside Luke Mullen and Luke. We had plenty of things happen between this week and last week. Last week, of course, we gave out our mid-season awards. Make sure to go back and catch up on that episode. It was one of our best yet, and we had a lot of hardware to give out. So make sure to tune into that one. But this week, to start things off, we're going to kind of go away from basketball for a minute and talk about this Gretna Omaha West Side situation. Yep, or specifically is- Gretna football. The NSA uh, announced last week that Gretna would be stripped of their state football championship, their first in school history that they won back in November due to eligibility issues with a player on their team. And Luke, you were there covering it as it developed. This was a huge story. It got national news. I saw it made the High School Football of America. They released a story about it, and it's gotten lots of buzz and a lot of a lot of people talking about eligibility issues and just the moving around that happens in the metro a bunch of issues just coming together revolving around this whole situation take it through from your perspective what happened what you gathered and the info um, that you saw yeah pretty much uh unprecedented for a long time we really haven't seen a, a title vacated and that that is why it was such big news it's like 10 times bigger news than anybody just winning a state championship it's like it gets taken away and everybody needs to know why, which is obviously, you know, the important question. There is there has to be a reason behind that ruling. And, you know, honestly, it did take a little bit of digging, a little bit of time, a couple of days uh, for me personally, just to kind of iron out all the details and get it in a way that, you know, kind of makes sense and reveals kind of the ruling from NSAA and the feelings from Gretna as to you know, why the ruling was a little bit off base, you know, in their eyes. So essentially, you know, what happens is high school football season just goes on as normal. You know, it's not like there were some secret workings behind the scene going on all year long. That isn't what happened. Um, In December, NSAA received a complaint from a member school. And there's obviously been a lot of back and forth online. Everybody wants to know, you know, who sent the complaint to NSAA. Well, bad news is they won't say, they'll never say, and no one's going to, you know, come out and say, oh, we submitted the complaint. So for all, you know, intents and purposes, that is just undetermined, you know, where that came from. But regardless, NSA gets a complaint about a player on the Gretna team who all the details are online, journalstar.com. I put together an article about it. We're just going to discuss, you know, the player and and his family as generically as possible. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's been a a tough week for them in Gretna community, so we wish them the best. And really the tough thing is there, was, there wasn't really a lot of wrongdoing in the situation. It's more of kind of like a paperwork issue, um, you know, how we judge district eligibility and enrollment, you know, some differences from district to district, and that, and that factor definitely played in here. So what happens is NSA gets this complaint, and they go back and they look at the player and they say, hey, he's living outside of district as per our NSAA records. That makes him ineligible. He played in every game of Gretna this season. You know, there, there's going to have to be a punishment here. So that's what Jay Beller, he, you know, NSA director, he makes that determination, obviously, within his, his powers as, you know, overseer of the state athletics. And he goes to Gretna. He informs him of his decision. 
And, you know, they, they say, hey, you know, there's obviously going to be an appeals process. You know, I'm sure Gretna had some discussions within themselves about, you know, where they can take it from here. And so it goes to NSAA, and that's where it all started to kind of become public on that Thursday. That's when they had their monthly board of directors meeting. Obviously, you know, there was a lot to discuss, and it took quite a few hours, um, you know, late in the day, the development, you know, to kind of figure out if if they would rule to uphold it. And obviously they did. You know, it, it started that online firestorm, all of you, I'm sure, just dying to know what happened. And so the crux of the issue is that Gretna is a closed district. And definitely this whole situation, I'm sure, has taught me and quite a lot of you a lot about, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the different enrollment standards and, and the way that these things operate. Obviously, you parents out there, you'll be a lot more knowledgeable and, and privy to the situation, uh, you know, stuff that you all go through, um, you know, determining schools and everything. So unlike a lot of Class A schools, which are, if they're under capacity, you know, if they have room to accept transfers, they'll, they'll be able to accept students, you know, who live outside the district that want to travel and attend the school. You know, pretty common, I believe, for, for quite a few years mm-hmm. now. It's been in place in a lot of places. And so the way that that works for athletic purposes is you can still transfer out of period, except there's a 90-day kind of waiting period. And we've seen that sometimes, you know, over the past few years, basketball, football, you know, regardless of any other sports, there have been plenty of times where players have to, you know, wait out during that period to become eligible. And the way that that's kind of, you know, put into place so that you don't have that waiting period is there's a May 1st list where you're able to declare those players. And so Gretna, as a closed district, all of its students have to live within the district boundaries, you know, something that they do when they sign up, you know, they prove it to the school Regardless, they do not and have not submitted a May 1st list at any point. So before last year ends, uh, the player and his family, you know, they, they come to the school and they say, hey, like to enroll him and show that, that Gretna address. So Gretna thinks, perfect, you know, our requirements are satisfied. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of it comes down to family situation, which unfortunately do not want to get into too heavily, but essentially the way that the NSA views it is that you could have properties, you know, apartments, houses, it doesn't really matter. Your main family house, you know, your address that you have listed and recorded with the NSAA, that's where they're going to determine your eligibility out of. So they have it down as a papillion address where the player was formerly enrolled. And that was the reason, you know, they say we haven't had any change. Granted, didn't have any document to prove that they had changed address. And that's why the player was ineligible. Yeah. Just an unfortunate situation that, again, comes down to a technicality that is deciding whether or not a team gets a state title. And we'll dive off. We'll just go off the road for a second, just go for opinions. And in my opinion, well, technically, there are rules in place. They are there for a reason. It's just unfortunate and just, for me, not a good way to not only conclude a football season but to – just take away state title. And again, this is a school and a program that just won their first state title. And again, down to a technicality on paper that now they have to vacate that. And I think it's just a dumb rule. I don't, I, I don't love it. And I really don't, don't like it at all. Absolutely. I mean, it, it happening a couple of months after the fact is, is pretty tough. Yep. You know, obviously they had to take their time and, 
and go through these things, you know, after they get their complaint. And really, I think it's kind of opened our eyes too. obviously, it's not really feasible for NSAA to check thousands and thousands of, you know, students addresses, there's really no point in doing that. You know, each school is going to have their own way to vet it. And NSA will do that too. But ultimately, you know, what's really tough about the situation too is you hear of a tile getting overturned and you immediately think, oh, you know, like they did something wrong. They mm-hmm. cheated. You know, they knowingly broke the rules. There, there was really like nothing malicious, yeah. no intent to deceive any sort of rules. And really, you know, the, the unfortunate thing is that it, it really could have been avoided just by putting him on that May 1st list. But, you know, in, in Gretna's defense, obviously they – per their own standards, there was – absolutely nothing wrong with the way that he was enrolled. He lives in the district and they're like, perfect, you know, good to go. We got all our our players ready and, and the season's good to kick off. And the other thing that I personally, you know, find ironic, I guess you can say, you know, kind of unfortunate too, is that, you know, the opponents they beat the whole season, like most of Class A has open enrollment districts, no. you know, just because an address wasn't changed doesn't doesn't change anything compared to the, you know, 80, 90, whatever, you know, kids that have the exact same situation going on elsewhere, which really makes it, you know, sting a little bit more. The fact that, you know, it it isn't like something, you know, unheard of a situation like this. It's just that the paperwork wasn't submitted. You know, the form didn't get done at the time. And now months later, we're finding out about it. Yeah, this is this is not the first time a team has had to vacate something in terms of an NSA violation. This happened a few years ago. Omaha Burke had to forfeit uh, a number of basketball games because they had an ineligible player uh, that affected district seating, but that was during the regular season. But yeah, this is the first, like you said, unprecedented grand scale of what can happen with these type of situations. And again, this might stretch to discussion of just the open enrollment system and just yeah. the players going to one school and next year transferring to the other. That goes on more in that metro, and that's not a secret anywhere. That just happens. And I think that might open a broader discussion and bring more to the forefront what happens there. For sure. And obviously important to note, too, it's not just an athletic decision. You know, it's like you have so much going on in your personal lives. Yeah. You know, academics – obviously factor in quite a bit to to anybody's school choice. So, you know, it it runs much deeper than athletics. So NSA has to, you know, have that under consideration too. So it's very difficult, you know, you know, hopefully there's a way to kind of standardize it and, you know, ensure that nothing like this really happens again, where, you know, a situation that hopefully could have been avoided, you know, is done that way in the future. Bottom line, it was an unfortunate situation to occur, and hopefully this is a situation that everyone can learn from, and hopefully nothing like this can happen again. Uh, Luke, final thoughts before we get on to basketball action. Yeah, just, you know, as a passing, I think ultimately anybody who watched that season, you know, who was there at the game, obviously it doesn't discount anything from Gretna's performances during the year. You know, speaking for myself in, in articles and and whatnot, you know, they're the defending champs. They won the title, you know, in terms of the record books, that obviously won't be the case. Um, You know, we have these rules for a reason and the NSA process, you know, there needs to be a punishment and that is what they deem fit and respect that as well. You know, as an organization, it's their duty to kind of uphold the rules and make sure everybody plays by them. 
But ultimately, I, I don't think Gretna had any wrongdoing on its part. It's uh, obviously difficult for them, you know, knowing that there was perhaps a slip up, you know, that form that they could have filled out and done it. But again, no, no ill intent, no, nothing that would constitute a, a major violation of, you know, our trust of athletics in our eyes. They completely earned it out there on the field, as all teams do. And congrats to them for, for a great season that they will remember for a very long time. Words well said. We're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to recap what happened in basketball action and then look ahead to some enticing matchups. You're listening to the Prep Extra Podcast, presented by the Lincoln Journal Star. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Prep Extra Podcast, Jeff Ekstrom, Luke Mullen. Luke, plenty of action we had over the last week. Let's dive right in. Let's go with Class A. We had a good one between number three, Fremont, number seven, Southwest. Rematch? No, that wasn't a rematch. The the rescheduled. The rescheduled, that's right. And it was Fremont winning 49-45. Close, Southwest had beaten Cardi and Lincoln Northeast for a good week. And they were oh so close. And I think it kind of shows how far that Southwest team has come to this far, pushing Fremont like that. Definitely. And, you know, coming off a little bit of a COVID break, you know, difficult to practice under those circumstances, as a lot of teams are still still dealing with, you know, here in January. So to come out and, you know, hold Fremont to a pretty low-scoring performance by their usual standards – you know, they, they broke the three-point record <laughs> a couple of games ago. That didn't happen against Southwest. So a credit to their defense, you know, for that too. Good for them to show up. You know, four points against, you know, a team that you really have to consider a state title contender. You know, I, I think they'll feel pretty good about seeing them again down the road, knowing how close they were. And for Fremont, Taylor McCabe commit to Iowa. She just surpassed 2,000 career points. So good for her. Not much changing at the top of the ratings. New set of ratings are out, by the way, this time. But our uh, fearless leader, Clark Girl, on the girls' side, number one, Miller South, number two, Omaha Central, nothing switching there. But the top-rated city school, Lincoln High, up to number four. They are 11-2 and two on the year. They had a good weekend coming off a win over Lincoln East and City Rival. For sure. Just continue to impress. Uh, you know, they've been playing great basketball and Clark Riley's got a, a feature going up on on Wednesday about John T. Franklin, one of their their key players this season. So make sure to check that out as well. And Coach Kelly, Dominique Kelly, she's doing a great job with them. You know, that's just a, a team that plays great, great team basketball. They they spread the ball. They they like to play fast and and play tough. And and those are key attributes when you look at a top five team to to really help them down the road. Lincoln High, they face Cardi, and then in a couple of games, they face off against Fremont. So certainly going to be interesting for this Lincoln High team and how far they can go. In Class B, number one, Omaha Scott continues their dominance. They win the River Cities Conference Tournament, barely beating Lincoln Pius X to remain unbeaten. They are 15-0. For sure. And getting the chance to watch them against Pius in person, you know, was really interested to see Peyton McCabe, uh, you know, really exciting sophomore Obviously got some of the same traits that that makes Taylor so great. You know, she's got that little uh, kick step, you know, jump back for a three-pointer. Great footwork. But credit to Pius X, Sarah Iberg, who 
also guards Taylor McCabe when they play Fremont. <laughs> she she might be a little sick of yeah. <laughs> you know playing against these McCabe's. They're they're tough to deal with, but she really did a great job slowing down uh, McCabe Peyton when they they played against Scott. Uh, held her to just just a few f- field goal attempts over the course of the whole game. But, I mean, man, that Scott team, they have just playmaking guards, a lot of players who can shoot. I believe a, a freshman point guard, too, who does a great job running the show. And they, they certainly look every bit uh, a contender there in Class B. I, you know, they, they didn't have as good of a shooting night as they did, you know, to knock off Elkhorn North mm-hmm. a few games ago. But certainly those attributes that were there, they, they show them even when they're in close, you know, low-scoring games. Scott does have a good shot to finish on the feed. They do have a date, though, with number with Norris, who is 14-1. and one. And just interesting, looking at their schedule, is that in their final six games, five of them are on the road, including that Norris matchup. It's a little interesting how that schedule worked that out. Is, yeah. I mean, they're a pretty strong team at home, so I'm sure no. there's some consideration there. But that is interesting. I wonder if that was random or planned. Yeah. Well, speaking of Norris, they defeated number 5 York 42-33, followed with a pair of wins over Bennington and a trip to the Eastern Midland Conference Finals. Yeah, quite a few new players, you know, compared to the Norris teams. I think each of the last two years had a lot of carryover among them. So still a few, you know, senior leaders who were around for those those earlier state tournament trips. But, man, you know, they're looking good again, playing some some tough team basketball a little bit lower scoring, I think, than than last year. A little bit more uh, interior scoring and guard play as opposed to three-point shooting. But, yeah, Norris looking very strong again. I'm interested to see how they do against Scott because if they can go pretty decent with them, do they shoot themselves up into that top three with Elkhorn North and Scott up there? Well, we'll, we'll see. Yes, yeah, we will certainly see. In C1, Grand Island Central Catholic continues to roll big wins over Class B number 6 Adam Central and C1 number 6 Carney Catholic. Yep, and GICC, both boys and girls, they do a great job scheduling tough opponents, you know, anybody around them in their area, and those are two of the best, Adam Central and Carney Catholic. Uh, great teams in their own right, state tournament teams last year as well, so GICC, Looking very strong. I mean, that top five in, in C1 hasn't really changed a lot over over the last few weeks, but GICC as the number four team is is pretty scary for the rest of them, too. And to finish out the year, we'll talk about this in a, probably in a couple weeks, but they take on Hastings St. Cecilia, C2 number one and undefeated to finish out the year. That one is going to be very, very fun. And then number three, Lincoln Lutheran continues to smother teams defensively. A football score. 28-14 win over Bishop Newman. Exactly. Had to include it in there for, for that reason. And we're talking about a few Centennial Conference teams there. State Tournament Week. Uh, sorry, stay, uh, Conference Tournament Week. Get a little ahead of myself. <laughs> <laughs> Got a few more months to wait. But that Conference Tournament going on right now. So should be able to see a really good finals matchup involving a few of those teams. Centennial Conference is always very fun. Oh, yeah. It's really, really fun. Because it gets a lot of those top... Class C private schools that turn out really good teams. Yeah, every year there's always going to be like two or three really good, you know, state tournament teams that that come out of that conference, and and it makes for some really good matchups. And you know, just getting to see them over the course of the year too, you know, high level basketball. In C two, no changes in the top ten, and that's most likely that's going to change once we get to conference tournaments. That is coming up. 
So plenty to look forward to in there. That's what happened in girls' action. Now going down to boys, we'll start in Class A. And, man, probably the most one of the most surprising results in Class A is Westside just stomping Creighton Prep. Sorry, Luke. Sorry. <laughs> but they won 82-43, just pure domination. Absolutely. And speaking to Westside, you coached Jim Simons, uh, I believe, a week or two ahead of that game. You know, I, I asked him, obviously, it's going to be – a super packed gym, very loud. You know, you guys are coming in. You're the favorites. You're the number one team. And he was saying, you know, hopefully we just let that, you know, I guess status, you know, ranking continue to propel us, you know, make us better. And it sure did in that yep. game. I mean, they, they basically shot the ball as good as you can ask. I believe Tate Oddvati was 9 for 10. Reggie Thomas was like 7 for 12 or something like that. I mean, the first half, I think they dropped 50 of those points and just shot out and just said, we're the best. You're not going to beat us. Home court, get out of here. Go home. And that's what happened. I mean, you know, prep, they could see them again. Obviously, yeah. state tournament, you know, those those teams, they they are always in for, for a good game when they meet in state tournament. So I'm, I'm sure they'll be able to put up a better performance if they see them second time around. But, I mean, man, you know, Westside doing that to a top-five team yeah. – you know, we're we're not saying like Omaha Bryan came in and they ran him out. I mean, a, a perpetual state tournament team that's really challenged a lot of those other uh, schools so far this year, and Westside really proven themselves up there at number one. Yeah, perhaps hosting a district, most yeah. likely. <laughs> yeah, and they exactly. Just beat them by almost forty, mm-hmm. which is insane. Westside continuing to roll. Gretna, who was rolling, big OT win over number eight Elkhorn South, but then they drop one to number nine Papio South. I mean, regardless, it was a great run by Gretna, and they're still going. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think – obviously, it's disappointing that loss snapped a five-game win streak. But, I mean, in that win streak, you had wins over Bellevue West, Southwest, Elkhorn South, Millard South, who's decent. So, I mean, while it hurts to drop one like that, I don't know if you're going to lose sleep over something like that. Yeah, and – you know, just considering they had been a little inconsistent earlier in the year, too, you know, that winning streak kind of pushes them towards more consistency. It's like, okay, obviously you're you're still going to have setbacks here and there, but, you know, ultimately that was really what they needed to to get them up to the potential that they had to play at. And Papio South, I mean, that's a, a sneaky team. They've been yep. down there, you know, kind of top 10 status contender, you know, in my top 10 ratings week to week. But obviously a team that, that has the talent to get it done. Daniel Brookhale, you know, their their star guard, he's a guy who can score, he can pass it, and he, he really just attracts that defensive attention. So, you you know, you look at Papio South's losses, Lincoln Southwest, Millard South, then Central, Bellevue West, Millard North, and Prep. So four of their six losses to top five teams, you know, really they've they've done pretty well to to pick up the wins where they need to. We'll also note have beaten Central, huge win earlier in the year, sixty four sixty two. So they can get it done against those top five teams. You know, they're they're a school to watch for sure moving forward. Most certainly, and they got another big matchup this weekend that we will talk about in just a little bit. Uh, further down the line, Lincoln Southwest, who started off so well, falls out of the top ten. Now losing their last three in a row, and I mean, yeah, Luke, it hasn't been the prettiest run for Alex Bond and his team, losing three straight to Gretna in overtime, to Lincoln Northeast by four, and then losing a heartbreaker in Kearney, 
And really the tough thing for Southwest is they have so much talent yeah. and they play so well at times, just been way too inconsistent this year. And nothing was more clear to me than that Northeast game. I watched the first quarter and I'm thinking, wow, this is the best basketball I've watched them play all year. And then they completely fall apart in the second half. I mean, it was just night and day. First quarter, they got a loud home crowd behind them. They're forcing turnovers in the press. You know, they're energetic on the offensive side of the ball, quick, decisive passing. Second half, then, you know, suddenly they're slow, you know, on the defensive end. They're they're slow to, you know, move the ball around the perimeter, you know, finding good shots and, and getting into the lane, which is really tough. I know they had some foul trouble in that Northeast game, which which slowed them down. But, you know, really you look at their schedule and you think pretty much every time they've hit the 60-point mark, that's a win. If they're below it, it's a loss. Obviously, there's a few exceptions here and there. But, you know, that's a team that that has the offensive talent. They're a team that's built to score the basketball. And they can do it at times. They are so fun to watch when they're on fire. But but really, you know, some of that inconsistency, it's getting late into the year now, and that's why they fall at the top ten. That's why they got a challenge to kind of build their way back up. If they continue to go this up and down and they end the regular season as, oh, I don't know, as a 14 and like 8, 14 and 9 team, maybe 14, 10, something like Mm -hmm. that, it'll be interesting to see where they are if they're most likely a two seed if they don't host. That's a really tough two seed. Absolutely. And looking at the, the wild card points right now, uh, they're they're projected to be just there, one to uh, the eighth district host right now. Lincoln East right there behind them, Papio yeah. South and Pius all in the mix. So quite a few Lincoln teams right there on the edge. You know, we've spoken about it a few times, kind of the elite Class A schools. Uh, they got up there, Lincoln Northeast in the wild card points yeah. right now. They're, they're up there with, your, with the elites, Jeff. So you'll be happy to see that number four in the wild card points at this time. So... Obviously, a lot of basketball to play, um, but they're right there in the mix and, and could, if they if they kind of find a little bit more consistency, could definitely uh, rock it back up there. We have a lot of good lot of good depth in Class A this year. You just named those three teams that are not in the hosting the district. Those three teams have to be two seeds. I would not want to be <laughs> – I would not be hosting the district yeah. those as my two seeds. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, that's not even getting into – you know, the, the back end of the twos, you know, some of those three teams that, that you know, oftentimes there's one or two who makes a run to the yeah. the championship game there too. So going to be really fun to watch. Well, we are only days away from district month, and that's Indeed. February. Yeah. Uh, continue on down the list in Class A. Pius X has cleaned it up a little bit, a close loss to Scott, but they have had some improved results. Luke, I know I'm just looking at their scores or not, but I've liked what I've seen from Pius. They seem to have cleaned up a little bit. For sure. And, you know, at that Scut game, they they had a great chance to win too. They, you know, they were playing some really great tough basketball, uh, but just couldn't get it done at the end. And Pius, you know, kind of same story as Southwest, a team with just a ton of talent, uh, but really been struggling with inconsistency. You know, now that they're 16 games into the year, and you can look back at their schedule – you see, they lost to a five and nine Omaha South team. Obviously, a three and eleven Lincoln High, uh, you know, knocked them off a couple weeks ago. And for a team that you know really wants to be aspiring state tournament status, you know, you can overcome those losses. Obviously, earlier in the year, there's plenty of time to build up. Uh, and you know, last last week, you know, some of these seventy point wins, uh, seventy point outputs in these wins, you know, 
big lopsided results. That'll go a long way to building up that team confidence. But that Scott game, they were really relying on Sam Hostrider, Brady Christensen, their posts, which is really interesting to me. You know, a lot of the time been a three-point shooting team, Pius, you know, really been focusing on the, the high-scoring games. And, you know, obviously, you know, I'm sure they have other games where their guards mm-hmm. are, are the focus of their scoring. But just being able to be consistent, balanced at all times, that's been the challenge, and they haven't always achieved it. Into Class B, we just talked about Scott. They beat Lincoln Pius the 10th, but over the weekend, um, they also played in the River Cities Conference Tournament, and they beat a possible state tournament final uh, game against number two Omar Roncalli. They won by 14. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And after seeing them in person, I have to say, man, I'm impressed with Scott. You know, they're, they're a completely different team than the state tournament team that they were a year ago. And, you know, pretty much watching that whole Class B state basketball last year, I can pretty confidently say that this iteration of the Scott team, I think, is at a higher level than any team was at last year, which isn't to say that they'll stay at that, Mm -hmm. you know, level. You know, it isn't to say that somebody can't find it at state tournament, you know, to kind of change my perception. But, man, that is a team that has a great athletic starting five, Great size, all guys that are kind of 6'2", 6'3". They got some 6'8 guys in the post, and they're pretty deep, too, running eight, nine-man rotation. Just, you know, when when they pull out their press, too, that's obviously difficult for for teams to deal with. And a team team that, you know, has those kind of athletic scores, you know, guys who can find their way to the hoop, get tough buckets, you know, get the clutch threes when you need them, those are teams that win at state, and Scott definitely had all those things and more. Well, it seems like they have the pedigree, the players, and certainly uh, the drive to win that state title. It will be fun to watch Scott once they get to PBA, assuming. Yep. Uh, otherwise, in Class B, number four Bennington continues to win. They'll play number six Waverly in the EMC title this week. Yep. Very interested to see uh, what happens there. You know, Bennington, that's a team that, that has quite a few impressive wins now. They've been beating quite a few Class B opponents, you know, kind of separating themselves there to the top. And Waverly been a little up and down, could be up with a win. You know, maybe I maybe they'll uh, get Harms back. I know he's been a little mm-hmm. bit injured and, and dinged up, a very key player for them too. So super interested to see how they hold up against Bennington. Always a great team, plays hard out there. I'll be there for the title game. And, and yeah, we'll have you have the coverage. So stick with it. There you go, prep extra dot. Com. In C1, Luke, you don't have many changes in the top 10, but that's mainly because we're looking forward to those conference tournaments. Yep, and just because those top teams keep on winning, I think Carney Catholic's like 17-1 and one right now, which is really interesting, just the amount of games they've played at this point in the season. You know, compare that to, to Ashland, I think is like 11 or 12-1. and one. Uh, So there, you know, there's obviously a, a difference in games played there, but... Both those teams right there at the top, they keep on winning. Wahoo and Concordia, Auburn as well in the top five. And NC2, again, not many changes, but Freeman doing a little feature on them today, I noticed. They continue to roll in C2. Exactly. Wanted to, to throw that in there. Had a great chance to, to chat with Jim McLaughlin, their head coach today. And really impressive. You know, not, no seniors on the roster, just, just a talented group of juniors. Uh, you know, some really good scoring performances just a team that, you know, has the feeling of one of their best, 
you know, in a little while, a, a really motivated group. And knowing, you know, even if they don't get it done this this year, they could come back next year, you know, even better. So just a team that has a lot of potential, really nothing to lose this year and, and will be fun to watch. Fun environment there in Freeman, which is in Adams, Nebraska. I covered their district final when they clinched a state, title, a state tournament berth. Very fun atmosphere. They lost in the first round, and now they're hoping to improve that this season. Now we look ahead to what's going on, Luke. Let's just get right into it. Yep. On the girls' side, Omaha Central, number two in the ratings, continues a tough stretch of ranked opponents. They play Gretna and Lincoln Southwest this week. Yeah, and I don't think, you know, there's really going to be much to happen that would, you know, bump them from their number two spot. Obviously, Fremont only has one loss behind them, too. But when you consider, you know, their one loss to Millard South, and they've been tearing through pretty much every ranked opponent they've faced. It is possible to have a slip up here or there. Those two games are really going to challenge them and will be interesting to see. Yes, Southwest is number seven. Gretna is unranked, but they are in the contender slot in Clark Grell's ratings. In Class B, it is an EMC girls final, but it's a rematch of last year's Class B state title game. Elkhorn North, Norris, and Luke, I think it's a big indicator for Norris of whether or not they can put themselves in that top two along with Elkhorn North and Scott. For sure. And last year, they actually they won the EMC title game, I believe, against Elkhorn North. Uh, put in a really good performance, uh, as I remember it. And, you know, they, they were at a little bit higher level uh, last year, you know, compared to Elkhorn North. You know, this year, Elkhorn North is the favorite, too. It's a little bit of a reversal there. And you're you're totally right. You know, it's it's a huge measuring stick game. You know, knowing what Scott did and and being able to overcome them, beat them. You know, we thought they were clear. You know, they were they were gone far and away as that number one team in Class B. Maybe they're number three. You know, you you never know until they play it out there on the court. And Norris has that chance to prove it. And in more conference tournament action, C one number four GICC takes on C two number one Hastings Saint Cecilia. They'll play each other again at the end of the year, like we mentioned. But that's in the semis. Possible finals matchup is Lincoln Lutheran, C1, number three. Yeah. I mean, those are just three really quality basketball teams. You know, any combination yeah. <laughs> of those games is, is going to be crazy. And so Hastings, St. Cecilia, we've been, you know, wondering all year if anybody can beat them. This is probably their toughest run. You know, they've played some tough games already. But if they make it out of this, and I, I – you know, it's hard to pick a favorite. I, I guess I would say it's them just because of, you know, the historical success and the consistency they have. But if they if they win those two games, it's it really going a long way to, to show how far they are above the rest. Great games and girls action this week along all classes. Uh, so make sure to tune in for those or go to any of those games around the city and whatnot. On the boys' side, I already know what I'm going to try and watch. It is the game of the week. Class A state title rematch on Thursday. Number two, Miller North. Number three, Bell West. Yeah, I had this one uh, circled on my calendar for quite a while and thought it would be number one against number two. Well, it turns out it's number two against number three. <laughs> you know, not not a huge difference. Those two teams right there at the top. You know, obviously you have Westside having just such a phenomenal year to be that number one team. So you have Miller North and Bellevue West, you know, the two teams that were really kind of setting the standard for the rest of Class A. Going to be interesting to see if, you know, one can kind of elevate each other above the the rest, you know, to to be that number two team perhaps and 
and set themselves up to go up against Westside down the stretch. But, I mean, man, you know, these two teams, they can score it. They're full of athletes. They love to push the pace. I'm sure there will be quite a few uh, uh, highlight plays. Have your cameras ready. I know I will, so see if you can spot me there. And that place is just going to be jam-packed. And, I mean, it's not a bad girls matchup on the other side of that one, too. The tips are set for 545 in 715 on that girls side number Bellevue West is number 8 Miller North is number 9 so two ranked matchups there at Bellevue West going to be a fun Thursday night but then you take a look more at other games around the metro you have Omaha Central taking on Gretna and then Central comes back here in the city and they take on Southwest yep so that you know same opponents as as the girls games obviously those boy boy girl doubles you know, tend to produce some some great matchups sometimes when when you got a pair of ranked teams. So Central against Gretna, you know, another tough game for for Gretna, and a Central team has been doing a pretty good job. You know, picking up those top ten wins. You know, not stumbling. You know where they could, so they've been doing a good job there. And Southwest that'll that'll push them. You know, the next day as well, a team who can score the ball at times, as I mentioned. You know, if they're out there, them and Central running, that could be a, a really fun game to watch. Or it could be another dud. You know, you, you never know what which version you're going to get, you know, how you're going to do on any given day. And like you mentioned, Bellevue West has to follow their matchup with Bill North against Creighton Prep. And then Lincoln Northeast takes on Elkhorn South in another ranked matchup. Yep, and that's an, an Elkhorn South team that's, you know, ranked top 10 team. And they, they've been right there uh, in a couple battles, you know, had a, a huge six-overtime game earlier in the year is is probably, you know, their their highlight, highlight of the season going to be tough to beat that one, but another good game for for Northeast to evaluate against a, a potential state tournament team. Moving on down to Class B in the EMC final, it is number four Bennington against number six Waverly. Again, that one's going to be pretty good too. Absolutely. I think, you know, for both these teams, you know, Waverly's kind of been in the mix for, for EMC for a few years. You know, I, I'd have to look it up. But I'm, I'm not sure Bennington has, you know, been in the boys' basketball EMC final for for a couple seasons now. So it could be a huge challenge for those players. And you know, obviously, a few of them are part of the football team. They're having a a great athletic year, and I'm sure pretty eager to to continue it with a conference title there. Well, speaking of conference tournaments, there's plenty of those this weekend: the Capital, the Trailblazer, the Centennial Conference. Especially for that Class B and C, really good week for conference tournaments. Absolutely. And, you know, it's fun to see, especially a lot of these conferences, you know, have teams from multiple classes, you know, teams who aren't going to be playing for a state tournament or in districts against each other. But, you know, you still get that high level of basketball in these conference tournaments. So really fun to get a challenge against, you know, some of those schools who you won't see down the stretch, but, but you can learn a lot from. Well, that's all what's going on this weekend. I know what I'm going to try and stay tuned to, Bell West and Miller North. It's going to be really fun. But, Luke, where can people find you? Yeah, I'll be at that that big Miller North-Bell West game on Thursday. You know, excited to see the EMC final on Friday and then Central and Southwest on Saturday. Some really good matchups to to keep rocking with it. It's a pretty good slate, if you asked me. So make sure to stay tuned to PrepExtra.com for Luke's ratings. You got gamers, features, anything that you would need to be pay attention to all the high school prep action that is going on around the state at the moment. 
We are only days away from district month. It's getting closer. We're getting closer to that. State wrestling's next month. District's next month. Right. Yeah. Man, can't wait until we get to February. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. That's Luke Mullen at LMullen7 and myself at X on Sports. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been another edition of the Prep Extra Podcast brought to you by the Lincoln Journal Star. Now, go out and enjoy some basketball.